here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hey, this is Aaron from Pursuit of Thrills, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Ben Grant from Ben Grant Music, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Christopher Werner from Christopher Werner Designs, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. This is Marcus Lashak, the Roller Coaster Bureau Chief at WGN TV Studios in Chicago. You are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your ears. Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can dry up all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim Dykes. This is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast, and today I'm talking with Bob Kilner, a coaster enthusiast who is known throughout the community as an accomplished photographer and a goodwill ambassador that is on a mission to help others accomplish their life goals and dreams. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, it's awesome to have you. We're going to begin with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your hobbies, your work, things you do for fun, anything at all you want to tell us. Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm 39 years old. I am in my 16th year as a high school chemistry and physical science teacher in suburban Cleveland. I've been coaching football since 1999 and baseball and high school quiz bowl since 2002. Um, I'm a trivia nerd. I love trivia games. Um, I qualified to be on Jeopardy and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire a couple of times. I write over about 12,000 questions a year for different competitions among high school, middle school, and elementary school kids in the, in the state. I do some photography work on the side, obviously, being a photographer. Uh, Cedar Point is my home park, although it was Juggle Lake forever until that closed, unfortunately. Uh, coaster count is currently 456 as of today, and it will go up because I will get to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, Kings Dominion, and then Florida once again, and finally get that Iron Gwazi ride and that icebreaker ride, because that was quite sad last year to be there with the world's largest paperweights, but I suffer from narcolepsy. So if you see me and I look like I'm tired, I probably am. I've been on an experimental drug for about six months now, and it's working wonders and I side effect, I lost 40 pounds from it. So it's been wonderful, pretty boring guy. Otherwise. I just try to get along with everybody and, you know, try to make a difference. Well, your coaster count has far surpassed mine. I'm right now on my mission to hit 300 this year. I did finally get to ride. You mentioned Iron Gwazi. It's my newest tattoo. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a 2018, I think was the year when, or no, I think it was 2019 was the year that I did like coaster count in California and stuff like that. So my coaster count jumped up exactly 100 coasters that year. And then since then, it's kind of just, it's stalled out because I haven't gotten with the pandemic and stuff. I haven't gotten at many new parks or anything for a while. There's a running joke amongst me and my friends because all of my goat coasters are my tattoos. And I was saving that last spot for either Still Vengeance or Iron Gwazi. And I had to ride Iron Gwazi first. Last spot. You have a lot more skin. That's true. I say it's last for now. Maybe it should be to be mm-hmm. continued. Until I hit 300, we'll see how that goes. But you're in for a good treat when you get to go. It's one fantastic ride. 
I didn't know if anything could top Velocicoaster for me. I really didn't. And luckily, I was able to ride Velocicoaster several times on the same trip. So I was able to make a nice comparison. And it took seven or eight rides on Iron Gwazi before I finally was starting to narrow down the decision. But it's as what Andrew calls the Goldilocks of RMCs. In my opinion, you're absolutely going to love it. Okay, so we are talking about coasters right now. Thinking back, do you remember, and I know it might be hard with over 400 coaster credits, what was your very first coaster that you rode? Yeah, outside of maybe like at a fair or something, riding like a wacky worm or something when I was real little that I don't remember. Um, my dad took me on Big Dipper at Joggle Lake when I was probably about four years old, maybe five. I think it was, I was about four, I think. And I'm pretty sure I was probably too short to ride it, but Joggle Lake's rules back then were not exactly even lax. They were pretty much non-existent. So he probably just said, I'll let him ride. And then they let me ride. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, ever since then, I've been hooked and haven't looked back. It's incredible. Awesome. My first coaster was the Beastie at Kings Island. Nice. I remember we went once a year when I was a child, you know, back when it was Hanna-Barbera Land. Yeah, I didn't get to Kings Island for the first time until 2009 uh, when we came down there for a baseball tournament. So Son of Beast was already closed. So I did miss that one, even though, I mean, obviously the reputation, but I still would have liked it right at one time just to say I did. 2009 was back when I was on my hiatus from riding coasters. I had Jay in 2005 and Lily in 2009. And by the time Jay got big enough to ride anything, his autism was so severe at the, you know, when he was younger, he wouldn't ride anything. And I literally sat and stared at Diamondback from 2009 all the way to, it was uh, 2018. Jay finally looked at it one day. This was before we started going to meetups or anything. And he mm -hmm. said, mom, I think I'm ready. And I didn't know if I was ready, but um, I remember that time period quite well. That was kind of the calm before the storm when we came into the community in 2019. Okay, so you've told us about your first coaster. Out of all the coasters you've ridden, what's the one coaster that has scared you the most? Um, I'm going to give you two. I don't get intimidated too much by coasters, um, but the two I was slightly nervous about before my first ride was I-305 because I was worried about graying out or blacking out, which, you know, it's obviously a common thing. And X2 just because... It was one of those things where I knew it was a controlled spin, but in my head, I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be like a free spin and I'm going to like lose my lunch kind of thing. Um, but I, <laughs> I specifically remember, you know, the first, the first time on I-305 went down, grayed out a little bit, not too much, went right back on it. Second time, grayed out completely. But it was one of those where I came out of it and I was just laughing. And then X2 is the same thing. It's, once I hit the drop and I saw exactly how it ran, I, I was just laughing hysterically the entire ride because it was so much fun. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I typically don't get, too intimidated by anything like that pardon the pun but um yeah those were the only two that i ever got really kind of nervous about walking up there i'm one of those people that will chase a gray out oh yeah and it's it's a cool but feeling as long as it doesn't make you feel like headachey yeah. afterward it's, it's uh -huh. fine and we rode the day we were there i threw a five didn't have a line at all like whatsoever it was a dead day mm -hmm. at king's dominion and we probably rode it about 15 or 20 times that day because it was right. only like a 70 degree day it was really nice we weren't dehydrated or anything and uh -huh. Yeah, so it uh, a couple of times it got me pretty good where I, I think it's kind of funny like when you when you grow out real hard and you're just kind of like reaching for air and you don't know what the heck is going on kind of thing. That was one of the things that disappointed me about Intimidator 305, but yet blew me away with Iron Gwazi. Intimidator 305, that was one of the things I was the most excited about. 
was this big gray out that was supposed to occur. And for me, I was underwhelmed by the ride. Now, granted, the day before we were at Carowinds and I had 25 rides on Fury that day. So maybe if I hadn't ridden Fury so much the day before, Intimidio 5 would have been a little more exciting for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was fun. But yeah, they always like, they always say, oh, it's like a cross between Millennium Force and Maverick, which I can see the comparisons because you have the drop and then it goes around very mm -hmm. low to the ground a lot of time, lots of twists and turns. I think the more I wrote it, the more I kind of was like, all right, it's fun, but it's not after the drop. It's not nearly any, you know, everything everybody says it is kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's still a great mm -hmm. ride. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. like, it's definitely, I mean, if I go there and I, it's broken down, which is exactly what happened to me the first time I went there. Um, it's whatever at this point. It's an intimate that happens. <laughs> yeah but after, you know after a few rides on it i tried everything i rode in every row i was here there and everywhere i finally decided to go do something else but the one thing i still don't have here 305 and um, we're going to go back this year and hopefully get one as a night ride because i've heard night rides are really good on it but that was the thing on our quasi that really got my attention throughout the entire back half of the train it's consistent and Jay said the same thing. Lily said the same thing. When you hit the bottom of the drop all the way through the outer bank turn, there is a very hard gray out. And I mean, it's just relentless. And it doesn't matter what seat you sit in in the back half of the train, but the further back you go, the stronger it gets. Mm -hmm. And it, you do not come out of it until you are completely through. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that blew me away that that occurred that consistently every single time we were in the back half of the train i loved it okay so as you approach the station how were you feeling well it's that it's that mix of anxiety and excitement at the same time kind of thing um i think like i said once i got through the drop on both of them i was like okay this is awesome um and then after that first one i didn't you know i didn't care anymore but uh I was, I was a little bit nervous, but not like where it was going to ever convince me to not ride it in that case. It was weird for me. My scariest coaster was, in, uh, was Top Thrill Dragster. And I was as calm as a cucumber and I couldn't understand why. Going all the way through the station, all the way through the line, I was fine until I sat down in the seat. <laughs> Once I sat down in the seat, I, I started contemplating my life choices. Wasn't sure if it was a wise decision. Um, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's one of those ones I still sit down on and I'm that in King to and I'm sitting there like, okay, okay, we're going to launch soon. Okay. Kind of thing. I mean, no matter how many times you've been on it, you're never ready for it. I'm going to ride King to this summer. We're finally going to make it to uh, ride it near the front, not the back. That's no, what I've been back. told because it's rough. Yeah. And, but it was, okay. yeah. And I remember my hands just shaking unbearably when we were <laughs> sitting there for the first time. Then it became a challenge for me. I saw the kids, they kept putting their hands up on the launch. So I'm like, dang, got it. I'm going to ride this thing until I put up on the launch. I don't care how many times it takes. I'm not stopping until I do it. I think it, my favorite moment is when you ride something for the first time and you get off and you have that, what on earth was that moment? Like in the good way, not in the bad way, because there's plenty of times in the bad way too. But I, you know, it only happens very rarely. I had it with Steel Vengeance. I had it with Fury, Lightning Rod. I had it with Time Traveler, mm -hmm. like crazy, because I was like, that was the most absurd thing I've ever been on. It was crazy good. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, Velocicoaster, I got off, and I think I'm on uh, Colin's uh, vlog, and I'm just like, 
stunned because I was like, holy uh-huh. cow, uh-huh. what did they do? Like, that was just amazing. We have a lot of similar favorites. Velocity, yeah. my number two. Time Traveler is my number seven. That's about where uh, it is for me, too. Yep. They're incredible rides. I remember they were, the last ride I had that I came off and I had that. That was actually what I said when we got off of our first ride on Iron Gwazi in the back row. I'm like, I don't know what on earth that was. Let's go do it again. Yeah, I remember just getting off Steel Vengeance on Media Day. And it wasn't my first ride because it was once it, it was light outside. And I just remember getting off and seeing, uh, walking out of the station to go around to get back on and seeing Alan Chilkey standing there. And I just remember walking up to him and saying, you're a madman. And that, that was it. <laughs> That's about the highest compliment I think you could possibly give that man right there. That's awesome. Okay. So when you got off of the coaster for the first time, how were you feeling? Like I said, the, at once I hit the drop and got through all that, I was just laughing hysterically. And I was like, that was the moment of, okay, I need to do this again. Like, let's, let's go change the row or whatever and, and do this again. Let me get some more rides on this kind of thing. And I'm not one that needs to marathon anything. I mean, if I can, sometimes I will, but I mean, I'm sure you can re- uh, relate is like, as we're getting older, marathoning is much harder to do now. And it's, uh, you know, give me a couple rides, you know, three, four, five rides. There's, there's a few coasters you can marathon. Though. I remember we went to, um, I just sent Logan a, a video for his birthday that his dad um, asked me to send him. And I remember I specifically mentioned because Jeff had asked me to mention some kind of memory of things. And one of the memories I mentioned was we for some reason, Carowinds was open on a random Friday at the beginning of November. And it wasn't Winterfest and Carowinds was over. And so we went down there and it was like Logan, and a bunch of his friends and Jeff and me and my friend Thomas, a couple other people. And we were probably like 10 of like maybe 200 people in the park all day long. So we went right to Fury and we rode it, I think, 15 to 20 times without getting up, which is switching seats and just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I remember getting off and not having any kind of headache or feeling weird or anything. That's one of those, you know, few coasters that I can actually sit there and marathon. But most of the time, I mean, I'm good with two or three rides unless, you know, if, if it's completely walking or something, maybe I'll ride more, but I don't need to, you know, 100 rides like some people do. That's understandable. I can marathon some coasters. It just depends. Like, yeah. I mean, when we went down to SeaWorld back over spring break, I knew, I don't know when we're going to be back. We rode Mako 33 times. Yeah, it's it's one of those, like, some of the newer B&Ms too are so smooth that they don't it's really easy. affect you at all. It's, it's easy. Like, I could ride Velocicoaster over and over again. It's uh-huh. so smooth. Absolutely. It was very easy to do on Mako. It was easy to do on Fury. But I think it depends on what you're riding. Oh, you didn't marathon Kraken? In a word, no. I can relate to what you're talking about, like when you got off of it, wanting to do it again and again and again. That's what I was talking about earlier. When I got off of Topsville Dragster, I had two goals. One, I'm going to ride this until it gets easier. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. feel so panicky. And two, I was going to be really mad at myself if I didn't get my hands up on the launch. Like, I'm not going to be the only one sitting here holding on for dear life. It took me five rides to finally get my hands up on the launch. <laughs> then, I, then I had to do it again. Oh yeah, for sure. sure. That I had it. So when I came back, I was still able to maintain that level of confidence and fear facing and fun when we wrote it. Okay. So do you feel that it impacted your life in any way after riding that coaster? Um, I, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I think that maybe when my dad you know, dragged me on Big Dipper when I was little, that might have impacted me more because I probably was a little kid, you know, fearful little kid who was like, oh man, I can do all these things. Because I don't remember being like a thrill seeker type of kid when I was little or anything. And I'm, I'm even growing up, I really wasn't. But it, I think that probably helped me overcome some fears and 
put a little bit of confidence in me back then. Um, I think it's just more about, I mean, even internally, if you, you're not fearful of something, there's always that little bit of doubt there. You never know. I mean, especially, you know, you get on a coaster, especially now with, you know, occasionally these accidents and things happening, there's always that little bit in the back of your head where you're like, okay, you know, hopefully this is a smooth ride kind of thing and nothing happens. And you never want to think that way, but I mean, sometimes it just pops in your head. And I th- I don't think that those specific rides impacted my life directly, but I'm sure that that little bit of overcoming fear probably, you know, helps in some way. And definitely, you know, with the number of accidents and things that have happened lately, that affects everyone differently for sure. Yeah. I know looking at the Icon Park accident, I saw the video of what happened. Uh, sure I did too. I, did. I, I got sent it. I didn't know what it was. And then I opened it and I was horrified. You know, what bothered me about that too is that um, after it happened, nobody ran to help that poor kid. Like nobody ran over there. Even, even if you knew the kid was already, you know, gone, run over and put a shirt over him or something, do something for the guy. I mean, it was I, bystander effect, I guess, but I mean, that was, it was horrible. I mean, it, that's, I don't get emotional very easily. And that video made me cry it was, <laughs> like a baby. It, it hit you me. You can imagine anybody, any, your kid, anybody kids, you know, even just any other random kid. I mean, you can imagine it being them. I mean, it was so sad. Absolutely. And I, I really think the response I did I, to me, I, I think everybody maybe have been in a state of shock. Yeah. They were yeah, no, no, absolutely. That's what I said. I mean, that was totally a, a bystander effect situation where nobody knew what to do and nobody was like, oh my gosh, what just happened kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It just, it was sad to see, but I, I, I get, I understand it. I mean, yeah. who knows? I mean, in my head, I say, you know, I say that, you know, go run over there and help them. But I'm, then I'm like, man, what I have froze, like, you know, if I saw it kind of thing, would I have been horrified and not wanted to run over there? Well, and, you know, that's the thing I thought about too, was a lot of the people working there. I mean, they're kids. Right. Oh and yeah, I know. I mean, what were their minds thinking and processing in that moment? Because I, you know, I thought the same thing when I watched it, why there wasn't, didn't seem to be a sense of urgency to respond. It was like, no one really knew yeah. what to do. But um, one of the things I've reminded myself of when I ride is statistically, you are far safer on this ride than you are on the car trip to get to the amusement yeah. park. Yeah. to ride this ride and when you look at the number of successful rides given versus the number of accidents that ha- you know that have happened there's sure. been a far higher rate of success than failures so that's one of those things that I kind of replay in my mind too and I've got enough experience I know you know check my own restraint and that sort of thing too but um definitely I'm more mindful than ever of safety now yeah oh, definitely. that for sure than I was in the past. Okay, so out of the 400 and how many coasters was it you've ridden? 456. Out of the 456 coasters you've ridden, what's your craziest moment or moments been on a coaster? There's also two of these. So the first one, and the first one's gross, but the first, one of the very first times I rode Beast back in 2009, me and one of the guys I coached with were sitting there riding and we got back to the station and I'm like, what is all I looked at my like arms like what is all over my arms and then I was like and why do I like taste mint in my mouth I was like what is going on and he said the same thing and then we got up and we looked at it and we we're like dude somebody spit their chewing tobacco out and it went all over us and like in our mouths and everything else it was absolutely just disgusting Ew. and I'm like you gotta be kidding me and uh yeah that so that was absolutely just no. awful and disgusting no. and then 
The other one was at Coaster Mania in, I think it was 2019. Uh, Wyatt and I were riding Blue Streak with Taylor Bybee, and he was in front of us. And um, when you pull out a Blue Streak, most people are familiar with it, but when you pull out, you take a hard left turn and then like a, basically a 180 into the lift hill. And there's a bunch of pine trees right in that corner. And in Ohio, and I'm sure, I think in Kentucky too, because I've seen them, we have these really aggressive blackbirds. And one of them flew out of the tree and just started attacking Taylor's hair all the way up the lift hill. It was just like pecking at his head oh, and trying to like swir- like just swarm no. on his head. And, you know, a good friend probably would have like tried to swat it away, but I was laughing too hard and like r- tears were rolling down my face, just watching him just try to not get attacked by this bird. And uh, sorry, Taylor, I had to tell that story, but it's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah, it was that those things are so mean. And that one was, I don't know, they must have had a nest in the tree or something because it was not happy with us. If only the on-ride camera could have caught that moment in time. <laughs> oh, I wish. That would have been awesome. A friend of ours got hit in the face with a hat on Orion, and it hit her right between the eyes of, on the bridge of her nose and busted her open. And uh, her like on-ride picture just has like blood all over her face. Ouch. A couple of my crazy stories. I have two. One's the most recent, and it, it actually didn't even happen on the ride. It happened in the line queue when we... <laughs> We went down to Islands of Adventure over spring break. We are now um, talking about what the shittiest ride ever was on Hagrid's. <laughs> I loved it. So, I mean. It wasn't the ride. That's the okay. funny part. It wasn't the ride. I don't know if you know Andrew Locke, our other executive producer. He was with us at Islands of Adventure that day. And we were going through the line queue for our night ride on Hagrid's and I, I love Hagrid's by the way it's absolutely phenomenal oh, it's best family coaster I've ever been it's on. way it's way like too good to be a family coaster it's so fun I totally agree and I'm that. a big Harry Potter fan so that made it even better uh-huh and well my daughter too she's huge into Harry Potter so that just really made the ride a whole other level for her anyway we were going <laughs> we were going through the line and when we got to the inside part of the line queue, we noticed a little bit outside, but it got far more inside was this overwhelming smell of poop and manure. And it just kept getting stronger and stronger. I mean, everybody in the line was back there covering their faces with their shirts, Ugh. had water in our eyes, everything. And it's like, what is that smell? And we finally figured out the closer we got to the group of people in front of us, the stronger the smell got. And when we backed up away from them, the smell started going away. So scientific (laughs) method, you kind of figured that one out. There were multiple people in the group in front of us. Maybe, maybe it was the person that just came from Iron Gwazi and leaving themselves (laughs) over there. Sure. That's perfect. Well, anyway, we were all back there. The total strangers behind us, everybody like, please do not put us on that train with those people. Well, there was one poor single rider that got put on that train with those people. And um, we we nicknamed that one the stink train. So that was one of our crazy stories of this year. And um, my other one was from 2020 back when we had to wear the mask to the parks. We waited in line for last trade in Orion. It didn't rain at all, like the whole day. And about five, 10 minutes before we got on the ride, it just started pouring in sheets. 
and all of these people go scattering like a colony of ants out of the, out of the line that that um that happened a couple uh i remember it happened at one of the coaster kids days at kentucky kingdom they were on the like star flyer thing and it just started monsooning on them and uh-huh. they, the guy that was running it just left them up there for about five <laughs> minutes and they came down i mean they were done when they came down and then we had um last year at coaster stock only one train on beast went out on the second night of ERT because while we were riding it with Don lightning just struck like three or four times right in the area. It was loud. It started raining. It was brutal. And we got back in and we're like, yep, shut it down immediately. I remember we were over there by flight of fear when all of that was going on. But um, anyway, so all these people started scattering like ants and we're like, well, we're going to get soaked running to the car. So we just, you know, may as well stay here and yeah, ride it absolutely. out. When we got off of that train because of the mask, I had water all the way up my nose. I couldn't breathe half of the ride. <laughs> I could not breathe. I could not see. Oh, it's it's a painful ride in the rain, too. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Still my fun, glasses, but... I couldn't see anything. Yeah. We laughed literally all the way. We had, a, uh, we had an event at cedar point a couple years ago and in the more it was like the park ended up closing at two o'clock that day and cedar point hardly ever closes early because it rained so bad and they had like a there was like rain from a hurricane that had come up or something but that morning we had like super bad rain but they still ran our morning ERT on steel vengeance for us so me and my mom got up to the station and there was uh nobody like in the front row and i was like sweet we gotta ride the front row well, riding the front row in the pouring rain on Steel Vengeance is probably not a good idea. And I'm a you know, fair <laughs> warning to anybody. And I just remember my mom pulled her poncho up over her head and was holding the holding it like in her mouth so that like her face was covered by the poncho. So because we were getting pelted so bad. And I rode the whole ride in my hands in front of my face. It reminds me of that old 80s song, Hurt So Good. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Laugh or cry. The funnier part of that whole Orion thing was when we went to Speedway afterwards. We got some really interesting looks when <laughs> we went into the convenience store. That was a, that was definitely an interesting night. Okay, so out of all of the coasters you've ridden, what is your absolute favorite coaster? For the last three years up to last summer, I was like, yeah, there's no chance anything's beaten Steel Vengeance for a while. But then I rode VelociCoaster and I was like, I... Uh, you know like i'm not a big jurassic park or jurassic world fan but i I like the movies i don't love them and i'm not a big like dinosaur guy but it's just done so well i mean the only thing i could complain about is i wish there were more like dinosaurs around the ride i mean there are some but i wish there were more built into like you know the the first half before you hit the launch into the top hat and stuff like that i wish there were more stuff there but i mean even that's nitpicky as heck i just they did so good with it and it's so efficient in terms of how the queue works and and how the lockers work and how um like it doesn't have much downtime and it's it's just like for me it, at this point it's like the perfect coaster it has everything i want and i'm sure like i said that i mean iron Gwazi might pass it for me like just as for everybody it seems like but right now that thing is just it's it's so good like i was just so blown away by how well done it was and i thought okay maybe i just got a really good ride the first time let me get a couple more and then um i rode i rode a couple times and then i rode it at night with scott um with Scott Schaefer and a couple and the people that we were with. And even he said, he's like, he was, you know, obviously Scott lives down there. And he said that was like the best ride he's had too. Cause it was, it was like lightly raining and it was, it, it was like 10 o'clock at night. So it was pitch black other than the lights from the ride and stuff. And it was just surreal. Velocicoaster is absolutely, I don't, the word is magical for me. Well, and it's funny because like it's one of those coasters where I watched the POV ahead of time and I don't like to do that, but I did it on that one and I watched it and I was kind of underwhelmed by it. 
And then I wrote it and I was like, holy cow, this is way better than that POV looks. And I, I kind of feel the same way about Icebreaker. I haven't written it yet. I think you have, right? Yes. And I read the, I read the, I watched the POV and I was like, this doesn't look all that exciting. And then people wrote it and said, no, dude, you have to ride it. It's incredible. And I can't wait to get down there in June, and ride it. Icebreaker for me was just kind of meh. I mean, it's got some pops of airtime. It didn't do that much for me, but I'm not a huge fan. A lot, I think, has to do with my height of those comfort collars. Oh, I don't like Premier Trains to begin with because not only the height, it's hard to just even your legs fit in them. I think it would be a much better ride for me without having to fight that comfort collar because it wants to clip the tendons in my neck which can be very painful. Sure. So yeah, I mean, know. having ridden um, Superman out at Discovery Kingdom and Phobia up at Lake Compounds, like the Skyrocket twos that have just the lap bars are loads just better than those stupid comfort collars, which they basically tell you are pretty much redundant, anyways. Which yeah. is also annoying. Yeah, I'm five three at a stretch, so if there's anything around my neck. Or, you know, around my head, right? A lot of times with over the shoulder restraints. Oh, uh, like rugurus that you can't even see out of your head's back. <laughs> that I've actually discovered with those, as long as I keep, I mean, but that's the thing I don't like is I have to hang on, I have to hold on and force my head to stay back. Otherwise, well, that's like, I, I, I hate when people are like, oh, you just don't know how to ride this coaster. I shouldn't have to ride it in some special way to enjoy it. Like, absolutely, that's the thing. And it immediately goes down on my list if I have to hang on, sit a certain way, do certain exactly. stuff to keep my head from flopping around that immediately. We sound, like, we sound like whiny old people right now, but. Yeah, I know. That's why we are pretty much. Anyway, I get what you're saying too about the POVs because I, I boy, did I eat my words. I watched that POV of Iron Gwazi probably 50 times. And I told so many people because still vengeance is still my number four coaster overall. I mean, I love Steel Vengeance. Yeah. So it's not, you know, I'm not dissing on Steel Vengeance at all. Well, I think I watched... too, though, it, it's like with, you know, you'll get the, the various RMCs and obviously they've developed the technology over the years. They've changed some of the stuff they do and things like that. But like in our, in our heads, I think we got conditioned to think, okay, they've done almost every different kind of, you know, turn and, and inversion and things they can. And all of a sudden they throw Iron Gwazi out and it has all these new elements and everybody's like, where did that come from you know kind of thing the thing is when i I watched this the pov of iron guazi and it was so deceptive i remember telling several people you know that it for it to be that short it's gonna have to have some sort of special magic and pack one heck of a punch to beat still vengeance i just don't see it happening with the duration of that ride and you know once i got on it this is the thing i've told so many people it's like time just literally stands still. It feels like it goes on far longer <laughs> than what's on the POV. I mean, you've got to still vengeance. You've got a short drop. Iron Gwazi, they dug a ditch out down at the bottom <laughs> on the ground. I mean, that drop just literally feels like you're going on forever. And the same with the death roll. It just feels so much longer than what it, you know, then the length of time it actually takes because there's so much happening. There's no repetition. It's just immediate, you know, change up from one element to the next. So one thing I've learned is never, ever, ever judge a ride based, based off of a POV. Yeah, definitely. No, 
Okay, so Veloci Coaster is your favorite. What is your least favorite coaster? Um, well, I'm gonna give you two clones, and I'm sure you're gonna agree with me. Uh, you haven't. I don't think you've been on at least one of them, but like you'll understand. Uh, one is Kong at Discovery Kingdom, which I thought my jaw was broken when I got off of, and um, the other is Mindy Racer at Darien Lake, which is the other SLC. You know, I I don't want to crap on all SLCs because they're not all bad. Um, you know. I don't mind T3. I don't like the leg thing, but I don't mind it in terms of like the restraints are fine other than the leg, you know, crushing your legs a little bit. Um, I think the one they changed to, I think it's Riddler up at New England is um, also has the vest. So it's so much better now. And the one at Maurice Piers, which was closed, uh, Great Nor'easter, I didn't get to ride, but everybody says that one's the best one. So, uh, but these two are just absolutely brutal. I mean, and they just... They beat me up so bad. It was ridiculous. And the the one at Six Flags America, I think, is also Mind Eraser. That one wasn't much better. I have three that come to mind when I think of my least favorite coasters. One of them is an SLC, Thunderhawk, up at Michigan's Adventure. Like I, I can deal with T3, and I heard that Thunderhawk used to be good. But and, when, and I, when it was at Jug Lake, it was, it was wonderful. It was not rough at all. Um, I didn't ride it when I went to Michigan's Adventure because I was like, it was a busy day, and I was like, I don't need this credit. I'm not going to wait for it. When I wrote it last year, I've never felt shoulder pain like that on anything in my life. I literally felt like my arms were getting amputated Oof. at the shoulders. It was so sharp and painful. It I felt like my arms were getting cut off. I don't even know how else to describe it. <laughs> it was that bad. I, I can take the I can take the thigh numbing of T3 over that level of pain in my arms. My other least favorite is vortex at carowinds i don't like stand-ups but i mean that Enjoy that one that. not only is it a stand-up it just doesn't do anything it's just so boring i mean it's it's headbangy but it's just boring too it made my legs feel like they were gonna explode and it beat my head to death i absolutely hated it i i'm not a huge fan of stand-ups but i wrote a stand-up at six flags over georgia that was better scorcher's awesome that, that's the only that one, one that yeah georgia scorcher i like that's the yeah, only I didn't one i like I didn't have a problem with that one. And my other... Everybody raves about the one at Magic Mountain, the Riddler at Magic Mountain. I did not like it. Uh, I, I got beat up by that one, too. My other one that was really bad, <laughs> we got on last year, it was right at your own risk, is the Blue Flash Backyard Coaster. It's up at Haunted Yeah, yeah the, yeah, the one they moved to Columbus or whatever, Dayton or whatever it was. Yeah. It's under the uh, ownership now of um, the owner of Haunted Hoochie. And, you know, it's not really well-maintained. It's right at your own risk sort of thing. And I wrote it once. <laughs> I survived. He asked me if I wanted to ride again. I said, no, I'm not going to tempt fate. But uh, Blue 2 was good. I remember watching Jay go up the lift hill of Blue Flash. Something literally like a piece literally dropped off underneath <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> Lift hill. And I'm like, he's like, what was that? I said, everything's fine. There was no turning back. I'm like, it's all good. He made it. And I, I went after him. I'm like, sure. We came all this way. He didn't even tell us that he had Blue 2 until we rode Blue Flash. Blue 2 was actually, pretty, actually a pretty good experience. It was fun. But uh, Blue Flash, especially when you got in that... Uh, cork the little loop 
corkscrew. If you didn't hold your head right, you were going to have to go see. Yeah, I've ever seen the videos of people coming out of there just like whiplashing like crazy. I th- I didn't get a whiplash. I just thought I just asked him. I said I need. I said tell me how and when to move. Tell me you know just just tell me. And I remember when I got to the bottom of the drop. I knew it was going to go real hard to the right. So I tried to throw myself even harder, you know, with it to offset the forces and it worked. But I mean, it was one of those, you need to do it and do it right. Or you're not going to walk off straight. <laughs> sort, of, sort of rise. And I wasn't willing to take that chance two times. Okay. So in addition to your love of writing coasters, you are also a very well-known coaster photographer throughout the coaster community. What was it that led you to and inspired you to become a coaster photographer? You know, it's it's funny. I bought my first camera around 2010, and my whole intention was I was, you know, coaching baseball pretty much year-round and football on the phone, and my whole intention was, oh, I really want to do sports photography. And then... I realized at some point, I'm like, wait a minute, you're on the field coaching. You can't be taking pictures while you're coaching. So that was a complete waste. So while I was interested in it, I I still only used it sparingly for a couple of years. Um, And then my baseball kids aged out in 2015. They were all 18. They moved on. And there was like a year there where I was like very kind of lost because I, it was such a big part of my life that the families and the kids and the people that I was always around all of a sudden you know they're all gone kind of and I, I kind of really didn't know what to do with myself at the time and so then I picked the camera back up and started messing around with it again started trying to learn stuff and realized that it was kind of outdated so I was like you know I'm gonna buy myself a new one so then I started doing some research bought myself a nicer new one and it took me a little bit to get my feet wet I did a lot of reading and things like that but then there was this guy named Tom Bricker and he's still out there and he's um he runs Disney tourist blog. And at the time he didn't, he hadn't done that yet, but he was a very, very well-known and and very good Disney photographer. And I followed him for a long time on, you know, on Instagram and on um, his, his blogs and things like that. And he, um, he just posted some incredible pictures and he would always talk about his equipment. He would always talk about, you know, his techniques and things like that and what he liked to take pictures of and how he did it and stuff like that. And it kind of just, um, I don't know. It just inspired me a little bit to, to start taking it more seriously. So um, I, you know, I just started practicing more and I read a book called um, Understanding Exposure by a guy named Brian Peterson, who writes a lot of very easy to understand photography books. Definitely highly recommend reading some of his books if you're into photography. And around, I guess, the beginning of 2016, I started messing around with pictures. I didn't I didn't really take it to parks yet. And then beginning of summer, I started taking it to the parks here and there and playing around with it. And I remember taking it, I took it to Cedar Point a lot that summer. And I, I look back on, cause I still have all the folders of pictures. I look back and I'm like, man, you were terrible back then. Holy cow. And look, even looking at my own progression from then to now was amazing seeing how just not only the editing part of it, I got better at, but the, just the composition part too. And later in the year in 2016, I remember I went to Kentucky kingdom and I, my cousin and I were down there and I met Peter Schwab for the first time. And he hung out with us that day and I became friends with him and his mom and his family. And, uh, he had said to me one time, he's like, why don't you, I already had my personal Instagram account, which I posted some of the pictures on. He said, why don't you just create an in- account just for your photography? And I was like, eh, why not? I'll try it. So I tried it and it took off a little bit at first. And then it just kind of was, you know, whatever it would, people would join it. People would talk to me, stuff like that. And, um, you know, then over the years, it just, it went crazy and it just blew up. And, uh, you know, eventually I hit 10,000 followers. I think I'm at like 10,500 or something now. And I used to care more about followers and likes and things like that. And it just got to the point where I was I just like posting the stuff because I like posting the stuff and, you know, 
you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't, whatever. And for me, it was like a blessing in disguise though, because I'm a, I'm a fairly quiet guy. And I don't think people know that, that know me because I talk a lot, if you know me, but in general, like I keep to myself for the most part. And so, you know, not only have I enjoyed the journey of learning photography, but like it's opened so many doors for me. And all of a sudden, you know, I I'm friends with all these people in the coaster community that I would have never met otherwise. And, and, you know, I get to, I have a whole new group of young people I can inspire and try to help. And, you know, even, you know, newer photographers of all ages that I can help out and things like that. So it's, it's been really like just amazing. And I, I still am so, I guess I'm so like taken aback and humbled when people come up to me in park and say, Oh, you know, I love your photography and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and they like almost sometimes get like fangirled and I'm like, I'm just like a normal guy. I'm like, I'm, I'm so humbled that, and, and it's awesome that you like my photography and stuff, but like treat me like a normal guy. I don't want to be treated like any kind of like celebrity or anything like that. It's not me. And it's just, uh, it's an amazing feeling. It's, you know, if you see me in a park, come up and say hello. I had somebody tell me, oh, I didn't want to bother you. No, come up and bother me. It's fine. Come up, say hello. If you want a picture of me, I'll take a picture with you, whatever. I absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible journey over the past six years since never when I started this thing, what I thought this is what it grew into, but I've gotten to meet so many people from, you know, park executives to just random people all over the place, people from different countries that have, you know, become friends with people from you know Canada and overseas and stuff and it's like holy cow that would never would have happened I remember when we were back at the uh winter walkthrough back in March there was a lady there that I'm Facebook friends with that I'd never met and it was the first time we met in person her name was Kara and she saw you and she's like oh my gosh that's Bob <laughs> Kilner I've always wanted to meet him and she was afraid to talk to you and I told her I said He's a teacher just like I am. Yeah, I said, yeah, go, like, I am I said, go over there and I said, go over there and talk to him. And I, I literally had to practically force her <laughs> to walk towards you. And just after you took a moment and, sp- and spoke to her, that just made her day. And it, it's amazing. Just the little acts of kindness. It's happened to me a few times in amusement parks it's kind of strange people well and that's exactly and that's exactly it it's like I, I try to preach that to my students too and obviously you teach younger kids than I do but it's like literally just smile at somebody ask them how their day was just be nice like it's way yeah. too easy to be a jerk in this life like take Absolutely. the time to just be nice just be mannerful like it, it you just by smiling at somebody you might change the entire you know tra- yeah. trajectory of their day it's it's so easy to do and we just we've become conditioned to just not be nice people across the board. And luckily the coaster community as a whole is pretty darn nice. You know, yes. if you don't fit in, you're going to fit in, in the coaster community because no, oh, yeah. nobody <laughs> fits in. Yeah. Oh yeah. We come from all walks of life and all over the place. It's fantastic. That's one of the things though. It, it's happened to me a few times too, increasingly more so lately, even last year in amusement parks, people were recognizing me as coaster mom, like down in Virginia at Cedar Point, up at Kings Island. There were these people that walked up to me. They were from Iowa and they're like, are you coaster mom? And my name's Kim. How are you? And it was just so surreal. They're like, yeah, we saw, we've been watching you the whole time. We saw you at Hollywood nights and we were afraid to talk to you. And I almost felt bad. People are scared to talk to me. I mean, we had a great talk. They were just, we've always wanted to meet you in real life and all this other stuff. And it just really, 
I think it's more jarring though. The further you get away from home and that happens too, it's so jarring. I, I like yes. I had it happen in Florida, I had it happen in Texas, and I'm like, wow, this is so weird. Like, I mean, it's great, but it's yeah. it's just it's it's so humbling though. And it's so it is so... it's it's like I'm so glad that I indirectly somehow got to be a part of your life, whether I made your yeah. day better because you get to look at my pictures or whatever it is, or maybe you yeah. asked me for advice or whatever. I mean, it's it's great. It's it's so cool and it's such a good feeling. It was so humbling and it was really the, you know, once this started happening on a somewhat regular basis, it just really brought to light, you know, the fact that I'm indirectly impacting people in a positive way, whether I realize it or not. And, you know, that's when the opportunity to join the podcast and that sort of thing happened. Yeah, I mean, so I, it might I'm be like embracing it and rolling with it <laughs> yeah i mean maybe for me and I, I think you're probably kind of the same way i don't really get like fangirly about anybody even like celebrities i don't it, I, i'm not really if i meet somebody i'm like oh cool you know nice meeting you you know happy to meet you whatever and it's, it's gonna sound funny but the only person i've ever like fangirled over uh it was at coaster stock the very first year i went and it was logan and the reason it was is because he walked by me and i was like holy shit that was that that little coaster kids kid that i've seen all over the internet and it was like kind of like you know like i didn't realize i didn't know them yet and once i met him obviously i'm good friends with them now but i didn't know them yet and i didn't know they lived in cincinnati either because i didn't pay attention like to anything when they talked about it on their videos or anything so i was kind of like what the heck are they doing here kind of thing and that's the only time i've ever been like that and it's like now i meet people and i'm like oh yeah nice to meet you you know cool i mean Maybe it's because I hold myself like no better than everybody else. I kind of absolutely. hold everybody in that same regard. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So out of all the coaster photos that you've taken, what is your favorite coaster photo you've taken and why is it your favorite? Yeah. So my favorite coaster photo I've ever taken is this really colorful sunset picture of Diamondback. You can see it, Kim. They can't because this is audio and it isn't the best picture by any stretch of the imagination that I've ever taken, but I submitted it for the coaster stock 2017 photo contest when you, they still had the submissions before the event. And what they did was they picked the top three and then everybody at, at dinner voted on them. And so my, my picture made it in the top three and it was me and my friend, John, who I, I didn't know John at the time yet, but we became friends later. Um, who's coaster being on Instagram and then some other random picture that I didn't know who did it. And I ended up winning the contest. And um, I guess the reason that it's my favorite, because of that is that it was my validation that you you are actually maybe pretty good at this kind of thing and maybe you should actually try to get better and keep improving and things like that and maybe you can use it to help inspire people in some way or teach people or whatever you want to do kind of thing and it was just that moment of wow okay so people are recognizing that I'm good at this and maybe I really am so it uh yeah it just gave me that that confidence I guess that I needed to keep pursuing it all right and where is your photography available to be purchased? Yeah. So what I do is I personally sell like normal paper size prints. So eight and a half by 11 inch prints myself directly through Instagram. I do have a uh, red bubble store. The link is in my Instagram bio at BK photo page. Um, you can go there and buy stuff on there if you want as well. Um, I'll say I, I will sell digital prints too for people to print their own if they want a different size or if they're like overseas and I'm not going to ship stuff overseas and stuff like that. So they can just again contact me directly on Instagram or um, on Facebook. I'm also BK Photo Page on Facebook. It's, it'll come up BK Photo Page Photography, but it's just facebook.com forward slash BK Photo Page. You can contact me on there as well. That's the two easiest ways. Um, if there's something special that you're looking for, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's a really nice guy, but he bought a uh, he bought an old hotel near Cedar Point and he 
renamed it the retreat and they do like group outings and things there. And he had actually contacted me and bought from me full size, like giant prints, like the, the, like the one behind me that you can see Kim that, um, for each hotel room there. So they, my pictures are in each hotel room at that, at that place. I've never been there. I still haven't been there. He's invited me there a couple of times, but the dates never worked out. I thought that was so cool that, that somebody reached out and wanted that for me, you know, just some random guy off the street that just started photography. It was really cool. I know one of the things we always look forward to each year is the release of your new calendar (laughs) every year. I keep one in my kitchen and my kids each have one in their bedrooms. Yeah. Usually that's about between September and October sometime is when I finalize it and get it done and printed and stuff like that. Because of the situation last year, it was a little bit harder because I was almost pretty much doing it at cost. And not that I like, I don't bank on making money off of it, but like it was almost the point where I was losing money on it this past year because of all the supply shortages and stuff like that. So hopefully that stuff irons itself out in the future. So I got to deal with it, but it was cool. Uh, Yeah. It was something, another thing that I never expected to blow up like it did. And then it went crazy. Those are a gift that keep on giving in my house. So anyone that hasn't viewed Bob's work, just know that you're getting verification from me that his work is awesome. All right. So we've talked about the fact that you like to help others in the coaster community. What is your inspiration to help others in the community? I know there's a lot of kids that you've helped. Yeah. So I started, um, I started coaching football when I was 16 and I had hurt my knees and I, I couldn't really, it was the point where I was like, I, I just cannot play anymore. I'm just too beat up. And uh, so I started helping coach my little brother's team at the time. And he was like, he's about seven years younger than me. So he's like nine or 10. And I, I fell in love with coaching and then I got really good at it. And when I, you know, my football teams, baseball teams over the years have always been very good. And when I first started college, I was pre-med. And then I, I somewhere along the lines, I was like, you know what? I, I really like working with kids. I really want to go into teaching. So I switched over and some people still give me crap for it, but it's like, I wouldn't have changed that for the world. It just made such a difference in my life. One of my students one time asked me if I could be remembered by a single word what would I want that word to be? And the only word I could come up with is selfless. I just want to help so many people and give, you know, as much advice and, you know, whatever kind of help I can give to as many people out there, whether they're kids, adults, whoever. And I I think we were talking earlier, I think that the greatest thing, like the thing that makes me feel the best in life is helping people. And lots of things make me feel good, but that's the one thing that makes me feel great is making a difference somehow, some way, no matter what it is. And it's just always been like that. Well, and that is something that really stands out about you in the community before I even met you or knew much about you. I remember not just one, but several people telling me how selfless you are and how many people you go out of your way to try to help. And I mean, just watching you on social media and seeing the whole campaign that you drove to raise money for Wyatt. I mean, that really struck a chord with me because, you know, I work with kids as well. But I remember myself growing up, you know, and that was that was amazing, too, because like when I started that, I was like, you know, if I get a couple hundred dollars to help him, that would be great. And then all of a sudden it blows up and we get the hit the goal of three thousand dollars. And it was like the thing that was amazing was that all these people that were donating, you know, some people in the coaster community. And then it was a lot of like the old football players and baseball players that I used to coach and just came out of the woodwork and were like, you know, absolutely. will help. Thank you for everything you did for us back in the day. And kind of thing. And it was like, wow, it's amazing. Cause you know, as a teacher, you know, and you, and I'm sure you can relate to this. It's like a lot of the time we don't get to see the fruits of our labors. The kids move on. We don't hear from most of them again. And especially me being with older kids. And it's like, 
that very rare occasion that you do see, you know, that kid make a breakthrough, whether it was the kid that was an honor student destined for greatness, or whether it was the kid that was struggling just to get by that all of a sudden is now successful. It's like, you know, when you do get to see those little things, it's so amazing. And and like I said, they came out of the woodwork and they were sending me all these messages. And then and, and it was like, wow, holy cow. I mean, you know, you made a difference, but to be told you made a difference is such a good feeling. And I always tell like our, our students, I'm like, you know, when you go to graduate, you need to go back and make sure you tell every teacher that helped you in some way, or every person in this building, just say, thank you. That's just, Mm -hmm. just say, thank you. It doesn't have to be anything long. Just tell them, thank you for making a difference in my life, because that means so much as, as a teacher or as, as a, you know, a coach or somebody that works with kids that just to be told once in a while, thank you. We don't do it for the thanks, but getting told thank you is amazing. Yes, definitely getting acknowledgement makes us feel a lot better about going about fulfilling our cause. I can totally relate to, you know, wondering how the kids are doing because I'm teaching in JCPS. I see literally, you know, I can't begin to count how many thousands of kids I've seen over my career. And we have a very high transient rate, you know, kids come in, kids go out. And it's always the, it seems like it's always the ones that I have for a little while, but I wonder if I had them long enough to make an impact, they'll move or whatever. And I don't really, you know, see or what happened to them. And, you know, when I was looking at Wyatt's story, it really moved me because I remember myself coming up. I was raised in a very poor household and it actually wasn't encouraged to go to college. It was actually looked down on by the adults because I was raised in a way where no one's supposed to try to outdo the adults. It's a contest. So yeah, I had to fight hook, line, and sinker to even get to go to college. And I was basically put everything against me. And um, I just, I worked, worked, and worked. I got my own scholarship money together. I learned to play the trumpet really well, got money to get into the music program, and I had enough money built up for myself that I actually had not just enough to pay for my tuition. I had enough to pay for my textbooks. I had it all gathered. And I remember I went to my parents and I said, look, I'm going. They weren't very happy with me at that point in time. And I said, if you if you want to see me, you know, you'll support me so I don't have to get a job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And spend all my, spend all my weekends working and that sort of thing. With, you know, with him, it was, it was an interesting situation. We were talking last night and last night was the four year anniversary of Steel Vengeance first rider night. And that was the first time I ever met him. And, um, you know, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, is like, as teachers, we try to inspire, 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 but every once in a while, a kid inspires you back. And it's so, it's amazing. And you know, I, I met him that night and I didn't really get to know him until about a year later. And there was something, there's a bunch of things that went down and, and he inspired the crap out of me with his, just his like refusal to give up and his, his drive in life. And I was, I was yeah. so inspired by it. And I, it was at that point, I was like, man, if, if this kid's going to go places, I am definitely on board with helping him. And then we've been, you know, close ever since. And it's like, like I said, I mean, I was amazed when we put that that uh go fund me together and it just blew up like it did to help him out and i'm i'm thrilled for him when he's gonna go do this program and hopefully it takes off and he lands a job somewhere and you know that's incredible big things yeah because when i that was the thing i looked at when i read that story i'm like wow if i'd had a guy like bob in my corner (laughs) to help what a blessing it would have been and it just really you know resonates with me 
pers- on a personal note to see yeah. what you're doing to help these kids. I think it's absolutely incredible. Okay. So for those that may be facing challenges, you know, be it fear or challenge in their life, what advice can you give to our listeners? You know, and, and I've had to kind of like teach myself this a little bit too, but uh, one of my favorite songs is the song Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney. And in the song, the one line that always gets me says, when your hourglass runs out of sand, you can't flip it over and start again. And what that's always meant to me is that you have to live in the moment you're in and enjoy life as it happens. You can't always look forward to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Like you have to live right here and right now. And you have to sometimes go out of that comfort zone, no matter how hard it is and make yourself uncomfortable to move on to the next thing, whether it's because of fear, whether it's, you know, whatever that reason is, you have to make yourself uncomfortable sometimes. And you never want to regret not taking the time to try something you want to do or or to try something new or to go out of that box. Like you cannot, you're going to hate yourself later on. If if you say, man, I really wish I would have done that. I really wish I would have tried this or that or otherwise. And, and you don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes you fall on your face and sometimes dreams turn into nightmares and things like that, but you just have to take that chance and you have to, no matter how scary it is, no matter what that thing is, figure out a way to do it. And, And there's people out there that can help you. It doesn't have to be doctors and, and, you know, even parents and things like that, you know, brothers, sisters, whoever, it can be anybody, you know, some random person might've gone through the same thing you went through and can help you with that. You know, it's just, you just have to figure that part out. And it's, it's tough. It really is. I mean, I still have a hard time making myself uncomfortable going outside the box, but you have to do it sometimes. And, you know, the second piece of advice, and this is not related to fear, but it's just, we mentioned this earlier is just be nice. I mean, this world right now is so negative, especially in this country. And it's like, the world's still built on kindness. I have completely different political beliefs than half the people I hang out with. And you know what? I don't care because I go and hang out with them and ride coasters. We're not talking about politics and things. You know, it really irritates me to see, you know, even like at the highest levels, like the bullying and the crap throwing that go on and the clickiness that's there. It's like, especially when it comes to like social media accounts and bloggers that just like put each other down and fight with each other all the time and crap like that. It's, it's a joke. It's like, it's not that hard to be nicer. You don't have to necessarily accept somebody, but you can tolerate them without being a jerk about it. And then, you know, for you photographers, you know, if you're trying to learn, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed the whole process of learning. I really did. I mean, that was, that was really fun to do, learn new things, learn new techniques, learn new editing skills, things like that. And how I did it, I, I read some books, I watched some videos and I asked people, I mean, ask these other photographers that are out there, ask me if you have a question, ask some of the other, you know, guys with these big photography accounts, most of them will help you. We'll tell you advice. We'll talk to you. And if they don't move on to the next one, ask the question to somebody else because somebody will answer your question and help you. One of my favorite things I was ever told was practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Be a perfectionist as you develop those skills work until you get it right. Um, I mean, that's, that's the, the key to it. I mean, you know, be a perfectionist, be nice, go outside your comfort zone. I mean, that's the, the biggest pieces of advice I can give you. Absolutely. I agree with you on so many points that you made. One of the things I'm still learning in my own life is if you don't take a risk, there's never a reward. Exactly. And the more I continue to push myself out of my comfort zone, the more I find that I'm capable of doing and the more rewards I find. I think, and I think you'll agree with me. It's like, there's these things that we are so deathly worried about. Worry, 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 worry. And then it resolves itself. We're like, why on earth was I so worried about that? You know, you know, after the fact, it happens all the time. And it's, it's just like, all right, 
I, I guess I've had to learn to, and another, it's just another good piece of advice. Do not get mad at something if it's out of your control. If you can't control it, you have to try not to let it bother you. I control what you can control and everything else is not your issue kind of thing. Absolutely. And there's, there's negative and there's positive to be found anywhere. Life is, most of life experiences are what you make of it. Absolutely. If you focus on the negative, you're going to find it. If you focus on the positive, you're going to find a whole lot of that too. 1,010%. And I very much like you have friends that are all over the spectrum with politics, religion, all of the above. And it's like I was just talking about, you know, negative or positive. We can focus on the things that we have in common, or we can focus on the things that we don't have in common and spend all of our time picking each other apart. I prefer to focus on you know, the things that we have in common. I don't worry about, you know, somebody's religion or politics. That's exactly. not what I'm there to do. I'm just there to have a good time and make friends. And, you know, exactly. to, to me, that's what, that's what it's all about. Well, that's the thing is that if somebody wants to have a political debate about something with me, for sure, let's have a, a civil political debate and just talk about something. I don't care about that. But, you know, like I said, there's so much negativity out there right now. And it's uh, like this whole coaster community. I mean, it, it, it's very divided. Like, I mean, I think that, you know, you see all these posts that people post political stuff. It's very divided in that regard, but it's like, I don't post anything, not because I'm not political, but I just don't want to argue with people. I have no business. It's not, there's no business. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here for photography. I'm here for coasters and I'm here to talk to people and inspire people. And that's it. And I really like the fact that you said that let's have a, you know, a civil conversation. I'm all for having a conversation with someone regarding disagreeing viewpoints. Absolutely. A civilized, mature conversation with an open mind where, you know, I might be able to learn something from them and at least, you know, understand their viewpoint. Exactly. And likewise, they have a mind that's open enough to potentially learn something from me or at least have an understanding well, of where and that's, my and that's coming from. And exactly what you're saying is the problem that this country is having right now is that nobody wants to listen to each other. Everybody on the left thinks the right's wrong. Everybody on the right thinks the left's wrong. And they refuse to even try to listen to each other and compromise with anything. And, and that's really sad. I'm very moderate. And the one thing that I will, am too. Absolutely. The one thing that will turn me off in a heartbeat is belittling people and name calling. Yep. As soon as that starts, I'm done. I will not even engage the conversation. We're finished. Yep. I agree hundred percent. All right. And my final question for you is where can we find you on social media? Yeah. So um, Instagram and Twitter is at BK photo page, like my initials um, or facebook.com forward slash BK photo page. And like I said, the link to my Redbubble store is in my Instagram bio. Um, I think you can get my email if you ever need that off of Instagram as well. Um, but I, I am very good. And, and you could attest to this. I'm very good about responding pretty quickly to, um, to messages. I don't usually let them sit there. The only one, if you've messaged me through Facebook, it's weird through like as a Facebook page, it, it doesn't necessarily always go right to me right away. So that's the weird one. So if you're really trying to get a hold of me quick, uh, Instagram's your best bet. Okay. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation and I've learned a lot. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been honored. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. 
all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.